Are you ready? Ready to release internal pain? To find confidence, clarity, and direction for your future? To live a life of meaning, fulfillment, and contribution? To trust your intuition again, but something's been holding you back? You've come to the right place. Welcome. I'm Ian Hawkins, the host and founder of the Grief Code podcast. Together, let's heal your unresolved or unknown grief by unlocking your grief code. As you tune in to each episode, you will receive insight into your own grief, how to eliminate it and what to do next. Before we start, I have one request. If any new insights or awareness land with you during this episode, please send me an email at info at ianhawkinscoaching.com and let me know what you found. I know the power of this work and I love to hear the impact these conversations have. Okay, let's get into it. Love sharing the stories of my clients. Anthony Buttigieg uh, is only a young fella, 29, uh, making his way as a coach. And uh, I've had the great pleasure of working with him this last probably six to 12 months. He's, uh, he's well on the way, uh, but as he talks about in this chat, he's still having heaps of challenges and there's still things that he needs to work through. And that's going to take him a long way because that's something I know about myself too. It's a work in progress. There's still things I get horribly wrong. And uh, I really love his courage to be taking all this on at a young age. I don't think I could have done it, but then often really difficult things from our past inspire us to do that. And his mum left the family home when he was seven. No explanation, no contact with her ever since. And of course, as you'd expect, that's had a profound impact on his life. And then uh, a massive career change when basically he got called out by his boss, who thankfully for him was able to give him the space and the advice to be able to get help. Uh, before he completely melted down and, and how he's come out the other side of that and rebuilt his life, his relationships, and doing all he can to have more in his life. Enjoy. Hey, everyone, and welcome this week's guest, Anthony Buttigieg. Hey, Anthony, how are you, my man? Good, mate. Yourself? Going well. Uh, I've been bugging you to come on this for a fair while now, so it's good to finally get you pinned down even though uh i've run you a bit late today so i get i apologize for that that's nah, definitely been a working progress that's for sure yeah yeah Joy, the joys of parenthood having to duck off uh, last minute things um but great to have you here uh we've had a, a lot of these chats so it's going to be awesome to share your story um now you've had a couple of big moments the first of which is when you were just seven um which was your mum leaving which like it would for any seven-year-old, had a really deep and profound impact on the rest of your life. Tell us a little, a little bit about your memories of that time, if if any. Pretty slim now. I think the subconscious has just gone, you don't need to know about them. They pop up occasionally when I'm in sessions with my psychologist doing the inner work. But on a whole, my memories aren't there a lot. I just remember when she left, um, I was asleep. It was the early hours of the morning. I would have said 60-ish, 70-ish. I couldn't even give you a particular time. And my brother, I remember him being over me like, mum's gone. And the confusion, like, huh? What do you mean? Like, she's gone. She's gone. And that would be 
the last memory I kind of got of it. I do not recall the night before or anything really. I was your brother older or younger? Younger, I'm the oldest. Yeah, right. So, so how old's he? Uh, Son was one of four at the time, and he was two years younger, so he had five. Wow. So the two of you there trying to make sense of something that you shouldn't have to make sense of at that age. Yeah, absolutely. Now, you don't necessarily have memories of, of that time, and, and as we know, the, the brain does a pretty good job of removing those memories for, for a safety reason. But as you get older, like what impact do you remember that starting to have, not having your mum there, not having that, well, it's just like what other people would just be taking for granted, right? Yeah. Look, it's probably, show. it would show up in the things like Mother's Day, like yeah. the awkwardness, like I've got a stepmom and she's always been fantastic. But before her coming into the picture and the scene, like it was that awkwardness around where's your mum? Like I hadn't spoke to her or seen her. I haven't still to this day. So I'm nearly 29 and I haven't spoke or seen to her to this day. And it's the awkwardness, like where is she? What's she doing? I don't know. I couldn't, like I don't, yeah. Not having that communication line. Yeah. And I know you've done a fair bit of work on this. So, so then, uh, as you've got older, what what have you learnt about yourself about how that has impacted you um, in some of those behaviours that have shown up as an adult? Yeah, look, it's shown in many aspects. Like, for instance, especially growing up, and even still as an adult, arguments I don't like. It's like I know arguments aren't pleasant on a good day, yeah. But I'll avoid them at any means possible, even just being in the room of other people arguing because it's a trigger. Like I've seen people argue, and then the the far extent in which people are walking in the door, like it's not pleasant. So from that respect, I just try to avoid them in all aspects. And to be quite honest, it's been one of those things because of what's happened, and still doing a lot of work around it too is. The walls, the walls that it you put up internally that you don't even realise. Like it's it affects your relationship with people around you, your partner, and yeah, it's a constant working battle. Mm. So, so when you say arguments, was was your mum and dad like arguing a lot up until that point? Um, I can remember a few arguments, but not a lot at the same time. But yeah, it's just something that stuck out that just if I hear people like. Families argue, obviously, from time to time, but if you just, I'll just shut down and try and get out of the space. It was just too much for me. Yeah, right. So you're, you're um, you said you, um, and then you had a stepmom. Like that must have just been uh, amazing for for a young fella that's kind of missing having his mum and, and needing that sort of. Uh, female nurturing in um impact in your life right yeah absolutely look we were little shitheads to start with obviously as you can imagine like any <laughs> set of kids there's four of us and her coming in and taking on four kids was no small feat by any by any means yeah but um yeah we've always i've had a fantastic relationship with her still do to this day but i suppose like 
and she's been fantastic. But the suppose the other coin is it doesn't change what's happened. It doesn't change that this whole concept of a mother's love that's supposed to be unwavering, un, unbreakable, and or whatever words you want to put with it happened. Like as fantastic as she is, and there was no there's no fault on her at all. Like my stepmom doesn't change that this whole concept of a mother won't leave, they just wouldn't abandon their babies, they've just got this connection. Yeah. It happened. Like that happened. So specifically, what has like what's a pattern of like is there a pattern of uh around rejection or fear of rejection or fear of people walking out? Are they the sort of things that have shown up in uh, later years? Yeah, the people, please. You, you just go along with it because you don't want people to exit your life. Mm. Or you do the opposite and you'll help people to exit your life so then you can't get hurt. They're not there. When did you start actually realizing that was the case, though? Because, because like most patterns, right? You just start playing them out, oblivious to the fact that it's the root cause is way back to something that happened all those years ago. Well, so I didn't realize. Yeah, yeah, that's the thing. I was living my life. Um, found my partner. I'm still with her today. We've been nearly about eight years now. We've been together, and I suppose no matter what I threw at her. She didn't leave, always kind of knew there was something better underneath me and telling me you need help. Like, you need to go sort this stuff out. Like, it's just sitting there festering and, oh, typical bloke. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's all good. Like, she'll be right, mate. Like, yeah, yeah. And just going about my work and my business and life. And, and it got to a few years ago now and it was just before Melbourne Cup. I can remember it because I had some time off work. It was a Thursday and the boss come lunchtime and I'd taken off already to go out for lunch and he goes, oh, can you come back to the work? We need to have a bit of a chat. Yeah, right now. And he goes, what's going on? And I thought, what do you mean? He goes, well, you're doing all right. Like all your jobs are coming in at the moment for reworks. It's cost of money. Your job's on the line. And quite frankly, I don't know what to do. Like where are you at? So, so he's like um, literally on the verge of getting rid of you. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And I kind of knew because I wasn't running a hundred percent, but for me, this is just a usual pattern. I've been doing this for years and didn't even bloody know it. Like I've done it at previous jobs and previous times of when I'm good, I'm good. And when I'm down, I'm down. And when I'm down, I'm on the repeat. I'm up, work, home, shower, tea, TV, bed, repeat. Yeah. Not a lot of communication. Or, or with Autopilot. Yeah, absolutely. Just complete another autopilot and there's no, yeah, it's a vicious circle and I didn't even know it. I, I know it now, obviously, but yeah. all those times repeated and repeated, I had no idea until this time it was kind of like that that snap. So you guys need to go home, take some time off work and just work out where, where you at. Like what the hell's going on? What are you going to do? So I went home, it was lunchtime, and I chatted to my partner and I said, look, this is what's happened. And I went back down to work probably an hour later. I said, look, I'm going to take 
it was Thursday, I got in Wednesday after Melbourne Cup. I had four days off and kind of start looking at the options and actually going, what do I do from here? So that was pretty a big moment because it's actually that point having to go, shit. And any man that's listening will actually relate to this. It's it's bloody hard to sit back and go, I'm not doing okay. Like I'm not doing as good as I could be. So that was the moment I knew I had to get some help. Um, fortunately, fantastic partner. And she had a psychologist who she'd been recommended from somebody else. And yeah, jumped on the bandwagon to start seeing him and have been seeing him ever since. Yeah, awesome. Um, what a blessing to have a man like that as your boss who's able to identify that and instead of just casting you out, actually taking the time to pull you aside and ask you the question and and help you to find that space. Like that's amazing and I, and I imagine that's probably rare. Oh, absolutely. I'm very fortunate with the boss. I'm still great mates with him today, even though he's taken a different career path. Like coming from a trade background, especially like we're tradies. We don't talk about problems. We don't have problems. They're, they're the shit you worry about in your own head and you go to work and you do your work. Like, But very fortunate, my boss had done a lot of work himself and the scene specialist himself and done a lot of work. So he already had that greater level of awareness and the everyday trade would have so you're very fortunate there do you ever th- contemplate or think about what might have been if if you were in one of those other workshops where that's not the done thing what what sort of may how how things may have transpired for you i'd still be trying that same repeat pattern today there's no if buts or maybe about it yeah or worse or worse yeah so that sort of uh, environment, like uh, you're a mechanic, right? You're uh, you're in a workshop. Other men who, like you said, they're not talking about their problems. They're they're probably burying them in in whatever vice is of their uh, preference. Um, how many like rough guests do you reckon would be would be doing it, having tough days and just never talking to anyone? Oh, I look, I'd say eighty percent. Minimum, that, I reckon. Oh, yeah, wow. Yeah, absolutely. It's in every trade. It's just not spoken out. And there's great groups out there that are starting to try to help people to start to break that stigma and start talking about it. But I know tradies will have a beer every night of the week. For me, it was food and chocolate. Like, I'm a, I love chocolate and sugary food. That was my vice. or still is a little bit. Yeah. A lot of it, actually. <laughs> so, still a bit of work there to be done in. <laughs> but, yeah, I know tradies love beers every night of the week. Like... Yeah, or 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 while they're still at work, and that too. So it's yeah, they've got a lot going under their under their plates, and it's but it's one of those environments too that it's kind of weird. Like it shouldn't be weird, but it is. Hey, you doing all right? Like it's just one of those environments when it's a trade. It's just not not sometimes not the done thing. It's just yeah, it just doesn't happen. So when, when you get that call out from your boss, is there part of you that's a little bit almost embarrassed that that he's having that conversation with you or were you at that point where you were just ready to, to listen? I was ready. I didn't even know it, but I was ready. Like it had been going on for way too long and then going home and having a conversation with my partner. It was now or never really. Like it was all, 
this has been going on for that long. And if you're not going to listen now, then you're not going to listen at all, period. So she'd been she'd been at you to get help for for a while, like yeah. What what over what in particular the the fact that you were continuing to self sabotage and trying to push her away the the um just being in a in a rut was it was it other stuff? Just a mix of all of it, I think. Like it's I couldn't pinpoint it if I was to try and think back on what it was, but I can remember numerous times saying like, "Here's such and such," like it's give it a go, yeah, yeah, yeah. And it just, yeah, this was the point. So because you were actually uh, kind of like in in a uh, repeating cycle, a repeating loop on autopilot, can you remember like it being painful or or not wanting to be like that or was it just so numb that you'd, you were a bit oblivious to the whole thing? numb honestly it's that numbing like trying to comprehend what's feeling like what is a feeling like what is happiness what is sadness what is what is emotion like i'm still still processing emotions today like i still try to because that's come back all the way from back then like from a seven-year-old child like stepping up to help the family see how it felt to just carrying everything along, you just soldier on. So, trying to understand what is feelings like. What is this? Some weird, what is this weird emotion that's coming up? At that point, it was total numbness. Like, what's true happiness? What's love? What's sadness? What's yeah, just numb. So, was there a curiosity about all of those things, or was it more? Well, how do I know? How do I know when all of these things are there? How do I know that they're actually that they exist? Yeah, look, when you're in it, you're just in it. There's nothing. It's just a system. It'd be like being a robot, is probably the best way to put it. You're literally like a robot, how they're supposed to have no feelings, just go with their job. Like, it's just repeat and repeat. All right, so if we're uh, appealing to someone who maybe is in that numbness, is in that repeat cycle, what message would have reached them? Like, what is it that would have actually had them paying attention? What do you, what is it that you need to to hold a mirror up to them so that they will see? Honestly, it's just having that person who just who can see it. Like, I've been fortunate; I've had some very great people around me who have seen it. If I didn't have those people around, I wouldn't have seen it because you're so you're so down in it. Like you do not realize how sucked in to that that dip you really are. So when you sort of come out the other side and you're starting to get help, what, what was there a were you going to the psychologist just going, okay, oh, I know I need this, or was there a bit of nerves about what might come up or like trepidation oh. or anything? Absolutely, I was shitting myself. I think I spent the most of the first session, my shirt was satched. Like, I so cried nice. and I cried and I cried and I cried. Like, I'm tapping into seven year old me who's got that traumatized and that bloody wrecked. I reckon I spent the first two sessions just bawling my eyes out. Yeah. And we weren't even, we were, that was just scratching the surface. Like, we weren't even getting to the, to the goodies. 
just just having that moment to pause and actually give yourself permission to to be able to open up and and feel i guess massive right oh, like even then you still don't know that you're feeling properly like it's just like this is big moment of releasing it all but you still don't know what you're releasing at the same time hmm so you've just like you know you said you've those first two sessions you're crying do you then like come out of those sessions uh or like embarrassed or like you're trying to make sense of it at the same time like what what's the sort of psyche after you've coming out of those first two weird first sessions i was whacked just yeah physically and emotionally whacked i um yeah had a shower brushed my face off a bit and went to work and just left it at that like i didn't have the comprehension to really delve any further into it than what i had in that little 45 50 minute block i couldn't really do anything more with it than what was done at that moment and just let let it be yeah for me what you're describing is is a, a lot of what i've thought for a long time about something like anzac day is that you know all, all these men that uh as you described there, they're numb. They're using whatever vice to continue the numbing or at least to, to feel something. Like, you know, you think of the gambling, it's like to just create a rush so there can be something or the, you, see, you said yourself, eating, drinking, uh, smoking, drugs, whatever else, right? But you got an Anzac Day and it's the one time of the year and there's permission that you can actually feel some emotion, you can be uh, engaged with other men in a way that's, that's you know, okay. So if you think about the work that you're doing now, helping other people and specifically uh, what you will know better than anything is men in that similar space, What's what's a message for them that they need to hear about just what is possible for them on the other side of the numbness once they're prepared to actually open up and talk? There's just so much available to them. Like doing what I do now, if I go back to the person I was then, I had absolutely no idea where I was taking myself to now in by any means. Like I was just trying to clear some stuff. I didn't think that I'd be here now. Um, well, you and I have done a lot of work together. I've done a lot of work with psychologists too. There's no way I'd be thinking that crap, I'm going to be a coach on the other side of this. Like, but anything you want from the other side, hundred percent is possible. So it's a, uh helping them to believe and realize that their change is possible and that, and that there is more to their life than, than that monotony and that uh, repeat cycle that you were describing earlier. Yeah, absolutely. More for me is really, really significant. Like there is so much more, more to live, more to enjoy and more to, there's just so much more. I don't know how I can sum it up in any more of a way. It's, it's just, there's just more there. Yeah. More to explore, more to uh, realize, more to learn. Yeah, yeah, that's good. So you come out of a couple of sessions. You're still kind of like not not really processing it. You're just getting back to work and carrying on. Did your work start improving at that point? 
Yeah, a little bit. It was um, still had patches where I'd ring the boss up in the morning and say, hey, I ain't doing too crash hot. I'm taking today off work. And did that a few times, but it was just the releasing. Like it's with each session. So I was doing it weekly there to start with. And each session was just a release. And work improved. My home life improved because I'm not such a shut off numb human being that's just another body in the house but not anything more than the bodies and excuse me yeah it's it all changes just little bit by little bit like they're not it's not a huge leap overnight and all of a sudden you're this cured human being it's yeah. just little steps every day of the week yeah 100%. I was talking to one of my one-on-one uh, -on -one clients today and, and they were saying how, you know, like they feel so unorganized and, and you know, they're, they're not doing this, they're not doing that. And I just shared what, what a couple of my mornings in the last week have been where that's exactly what's played out as well. Just because we've done a heap of work on ourselves doesn't mean that there still aren't challenges and we still don't get it wrong at times. It's uh, we're human. And I think that's the thing when people start, looking at what possibilities they they think they're going to be perfect they think they've got to have it all sorted out they think it's like a, a failure if they you know maybe maybe they won't even be good enough at working on themselves but it's not like that at all is it like it's it's a constant improvement uh, i guess i equate it to what what you guys like in the trade would have been through as an apprenticeship it's just continuing to to learn and take on more and get better over over a longer period of time than trying to learn it all tomorrow Oh, absolutely. I sent a quote the other day actually on Instagram. You spent 100 hours doing something, you are going to be better than 80% of the population in that discipline. Yeah. Now, doing this work, as you know yourself, it's not for everybody. Like, it's tough and it's going to hit you hard and there's going to be ups and there's downs. But the fact you're even taking the step to even ignite that conversation to start with, you're one up on millions and millions of people in the world by just purely taking that first step because a lot of people will do as much as they want to, they won't. And if you've got the character and the balls and the, the guts, whatever word you want to put with it to actually take that step, you've already overtaken millions of people. Yeah, exactly right. And the, the thought that comes to mind for me is like, I haven't met one single person that's done work on themselves that's regretted it. There's not one of them that no. said, I want to go back to my past life. It's always, I'm so glad I did this. And it's usually, I don't know if you've found this with the people you've worked with, it's usually, why didn't I do this years ago? Yeah, absolutely. And I'm in the same boat sometimes. Like, well, who could I have been now if I'd done this back when I was 21, 22, 23? But the thing is, I wasn't ready then. Yeah. And I know that now. But there's no point looking at that now. Like I'm putting the work in now and that's still paying off now. It doesn't matter that I've missed five, six years when it was first brought up that, hey, can I do something about it? That's irrelevant because you weren't ready for it. If you try to do something when you're not ready for it, it's not going to work for you anyway. Yeah, 100%. Got to be ready and trying to uh, force yourself before you're ready or force other people before they're ready. Just not going to work. So what's the next progression for you? So you're seeing psychologists 
and and you're making progress. But was there another moment when you are uh, when you're in your job going, oh, I can't be doing this anymore. Like I need to find something else. Yeah, it was putting a fair bit of work, and it was getting to a point that this this job that I'm doing this career per se. Well, there's got to be more than this. Like I did this job because I ran in that same pattern that we all run into school. You go through school and then there's a pressure around that year 10 time. Well, you're going to go do VCE or you're going to go do an apprenticeship or you're going to take a vet course and dabble your waters and see what it's like out there. And I went into a school-based apprenticeship to do my apprenticeship as a mechanic and went through and then did my first apprenticeship and was through my, nearly finished my second one and then got my second one finished. So I was lucky I just started doing the work or I wouldn't have got that second one ever done. Yeah. And I said to my partner, I said, I've got to do more than this. Like, um, I can't do this for the rest of my life. Firstly, it's taxing on the body. And secondly, I've just got no passion for it. Like. I've taken a lot of fantastic lessons out of these workplaces and met a lot of great people and learned some invaluable skills, but there's no way I can do this when I'm 63, 64. Like I've got to do more. So I just started doing a bit of Googling. I'm like, well, I know I want to help people. Like I know I can help people. I always love doing that kind of stuff. So I was looking at counseling, coaching, psychology. Do I go to uni? Like I could have been a great uni student, but I, had teachers tell me, go to uni, but I went down the apprenticeship path and lo and behold, I, the old Facebook algorithm popped through with a, a coaching course and I thought, bugger it, we'll jump on the scholarship there for it and here we are today. Awesome. But, <laughs> but you're, you're jumping through about three or four different steps there, right? <laughs> So, so tell, us about, tell us about this experience because this is important for the listeners, right? Some of them will know that they want more and that they need to make some changes and there's an uncertainty about what all this world looks like. So you're thinking you've already, you've already been working with a psychologist and you're, and you're realising, okay, well, I've, I've got the benefit of that. Then you're thinking, okay, well, maybe it's a career change. So what do you find when you, when you see like what looks like the answer and you and you sign up for a, a course? I was excited. Obviously, I was still an apprehension there. Like I'm entering a world I know very little about and the world of NLP and like I'd never heard of NLP before I, I jumped into the world of it all. And I, um, yeah, we started, the course started and started with a two-day weekend and the first day. Like, oh, I'm not so sure about this. Like maybe I've signed up for the wrong for the wrong thing, but then coming to day two where they're showing us a few of the tools that you can use and putting us in breakout rooms and like practicing these tools with people and seeing people have a shift in front of your eyes. And that was with no experience and no extra training except what I'd done over the first two days. And here they are having this profound change. Like, shit, we just did that in 15 minutes. What can we do with an hour together? Like, yeah. But seeing them have that shift, like being in the space and seeing them have that shift is just fantastic. And that was when I was like, yeah, nah, this is, this is the, the go. Yeah. Now, for me, 
the greatest gift from doing these courses to learn how to facilitate with other people. The greatest gift is the actual shifts that you get yourself within that training, the realizations and the and the breaking old patterns. Because to be able to facilitate in something, you need to be able to demonstrate it. You need to be able to have other people demonstrate on you. So was there a big shift for you? Was there something that through going through this training that someone was able to help you shift or you, or you were able to shift yourself? I think it was just the barrier about changing fields. Like it just clicked. It was right. Like it felt right to be in the training. And then even through the course that started a couple of weeks later, like it felt right. Like it was fun. I enjoyed it. Like there was so much to enjoy from it. The content was great. And then doing the online content, getting to know the tools more. And then in the Facebook groups, meeting people and, organizing zoom sessions and playing with the tools and practicing the sessions like it was just like this is where i need to be there's a uh there's a pattern that i've recognized and, and, I'm, and i'm sure you can relate to this is that when you go and do a weekend with people learning or for some people who might be listening who might have just done a one-day event with their with their work they might have been taking a leadership training or something there's a there's a real buzz that you get off the back of that and you feel like you're uh, can take on the world but then with each day that passes out of that environment it slowly starts to erode and and start getting back into some of those moments of doubt so was the fact that there was ongoing training would have been helpful in that, but that didn't last forever. Was once you got to the end, was there a, did you experience that? Whereas like, okay, well now I'm on my own again. What now what? Yeah, absolutely. There was. And I filled that in by then doing the next year of the training. So I went in to go do my masters and again, same deal. This time was a four day weekend and then the core content and I've met more fantastic people through all of that. But at the same token, you come out the end of it all and okay, I've spent this money and I've got these skills now and then now what? And then you enter the world of how do I start to put out what I now have? And then yeah, that just enters a whole new world of fears and <laughs> Like, what the yeah. hell am I doing? 100%. And anyone who's ever tried to start their own business when they when they haven't had a role modelled to them, it's exactly what it's like, right? You've invested all this money with usually that came with promises of of uh, this, that, and the other, including uh, we'll help you find clients and we'll help you do this and this and this, and then you come out the back and then you're kind of like, yeah, nah, what do, what do I do now? Like completely lost and you've spent a heap of money and now you're like what what do i what do i do everyone else seems to be out there making money yeah is that about right yeah i've never invested in a business coach <laughs> like i've never found one that's really ticked the boxes of art right, going we're gonna do this and do that and everything um for me it was like well putting it out there like i'm gonna yep this can't be that hard like get, <laughs> i need one one or two people to get yourself ticking over and then Word of mouth going to tick off, and then you're in the Facebook groups. Someone says, "Oh, I've had my first paid client." Like, how the hell did you get somebody so quick? Yeah, yeah. And I've been yeah. doing this for like yeah. you've just come in two weeks ago, and I've been in this group for the last six months. Like, what the hell's going on here? 
you know, his putty's like, fuck you. How did, you know, yeah, how did you do that? Exactly. So I know some of the work that we did was around lack and, and how that was a product of a number of different circumstances from, from grow upbringing and the messages you heard. And to me, this was a big one for me was when, when I did my first ever training, it was actually around wealth building. So it was a lot around the mindset of money and, and what you've learned and all these different things. It's amazing how many of these patterns are there, how deeply they run and how almost simply they were created. So I know you'll have some good insight into this around where that mindset of lack would have come from and how you've been able to just start changing your thinking and the story that you're telling yourself around uh, what is possible for you. Yeah, look, it was lack something that pops up a lot. And I think it also comes back to being male and that the, the concept of the provider and it's something I still toy with now. Like you're the man, you look after the household, you get the bills paid, like the roof over their head. And then well, I've got no money coming in the door. This isn't right. This isn't right. Well, like there's that. It sends your mind into overdrive. You don't know where the hell you're, you're heading. You don't know what the hell you're doing. And I also didn't come from a lot. We, well, mum and dad did a fantastic job, kept the roof over our heads. There's always food on the table. But we were a big family. Like we were, dad remarried, had two more kids. We were, I was one of six. So they were in the household. Like we couldn't afford to go on every school camp or all that kind of stuff. So then you start looking at all the other kids doing those kind of things as well. And, why not me? What am I doing? And then as a young adult, like I was still a teenager, I bought a house and had no money. Like I was always like as an apprentice on like 400 bucks a week tops if I was lucky with a bit of OT and you're trying to pay bills and be an adult. Like, yeah. It's this, this recurring pattern that came along and kept coming along and kept coming along time and time again. And, then that was showing up my business because I felt this pressure to start generating income for the business. Like it's got to come from the business. This is what I want to be doing. Like it's the only ways to an end. Like just having this narrow-minded vision that's got to come from this way. And that wasn't, yeah, wasn't helping me in the slightest. Mm. And and how you describe that's uh, so good because whether it's money you're trying to manifest or or anything the more you decide that it has to be this one way, the more you will keep yourself restricted and, and block it off from, from coming. So what have you learned about whether it's money or otherwise about deciding on what you want and then being open to allowing that to unfold in however way it's meant to still taking action, right? But, but not deciding that it has to be this way and trying to control the whole situation. Yeah, I think that's a real balancing, it's a balancing act. And it, yeah, you're riding that line every day of the week. Well, all right, I know I want to generate income or whatever that may look like or that dream job or that whatever that could be. And I want to make it happen. I'm going to make it happen. That's great. The intent is there and that is so, so important. But it's such a juggling line between trying things and trial and error and 
making progress and actually being active because I don't buy into the saying that good things come to those who wait. But there's also, I think, honestly, one of the hardest bloody lessons to learn is to let it go and just allow what will be, will be. And I still fight with this one like a bastard. Like it's, <laughs> no, 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 I've got to put it, I'm going to make it happen. It's going to, it's going to do it and I'm going to put steps in and it's like, just, just drop it and let it slide. I think that has got to be up there with one of the hardest lessons to, to work with. 100% because it's letting go of control. And, yeah. uh, and you want to be in control. Yeah. And, and it's the difference between uh, self-control and that external concept of control where you think you're in control of all the external stuff, but actually the more you try and hold on and control it all, the less you actually are, right? Oh, absolutely. Like, I don't know how many times I showed up one day, for instance, um, elsewhere I went to the supermarket and just been trying to be in a bit more flow and meditating and doing all the, all that. And we, we used to call it, hash, we still call it hashtag abundance where money, little things just pop up out of nowhere. I went to the self surf checkout at the supermarket and they come and said, do you want a free roast chicken? I'm about to throw them out. Like, There's meat for me, me sandwiches. Like yeah, hashtag yeah. abundance, like just where it pops out when you allow it just to be. Yeah, and yeah, it's bloody hard though because you want to be there, holding the controller, going, "Yep, I'm going this direction. I'm going that direction." Like, I'm make, I'm calling the shots. I'm dictating the terms here. Mm. And uh, like you learn is that that the reason it's so hard to be in that state of allowing is because of the fear of, well, what if it doesn't show up? Then what? So tell us a little bit about how, how, what you've learned about that fear and how it's played out for you. Well, I've gone so long with my abundance not coming through my business in the way I want it to. I've had some paid clients, but it hasn't had that constant flowing effect that I so desired that you, you self-doubt your business, your self-doubt, have you taken the wrong choices? Well, not wrong choices because you know you want to serve in some some capacity. Yeah. But if you pick the right way about it, like you have people in your ear, well, why don't you try this method, that method? Or, oh, you need to do this, so you need to do that. Or business, like, it's bloody hard to start a small business. And then, especially using social media, you get all the ones, oh, you're going to pay for this and pay for that ad and do this and do that. And... You can get in over your head in about two minutes, I reckon, and you you don't know where to turn next. Yeah, and, and to me that's true whether you're trying to start a, uh, a small business or whether you're just trying to make changes in your personal life. Like there's so much information out there and so much of it's conflicting and you get bombarded with it and every corner you turn there's another shiny new object that you think's going to be better than the next. And to me it comes back to being able to find clarity on exactly what it is you want, right? Rather than just going, well, just bring me whatever. Like, so, so what have you, knowing that you would have grown up in that time where when your mum leaves, that would have created a massive amount of uncertainty. What have you learned over the years around the flip side of that, about 
the need to be able to create certainty when it's not always easily visible? I think for me, I'm a hustler. Like, I'll hustle. Just gonna, I'm gonna soldier on. I'm gonna hustle and hustle and hustle, and I'll make it work. I'll just, who knows that, who know, like, just be a duck on the water. Like, no one sees how hard you, your, your feet are paddling underneath. You look calm on the surface, but like, I think the bigger thing is, like, yeah, you're right. There's gonna be the next shiny object that comes along that's gonna make that easier, or this, this will make it better, or. The biggest thing I've known, and I know for myself, like many, many years, I knew there was more, even before I even understood the whole concept of the coaching and the inner work and everything. I knew the life I was living wasn't my life. Like I knew I wasn't going to settle for the mediocre. I knew I wasn't going to settle for just anything and I wasn't going to just plot along like I knew there was more even before I understood any of the rest of it I think it's one of those things when you know you know I think that's probably the biggest thing when when you know you know like you can your gut just tells you and you just yeah when you know you know tell us a bit more about that because I imagine that if you're in that place of being numb back in those days when you're a mechanic that, well, did the gut instinct show up at all or it did, but you weren't listening or like, like how did that all unfold? Um, well, when you're in the lows, you don't, but I suppose it's like those, like, you know, when you joke about like, you're going to buy that thing or you're going to, you're going to do that thing. Like the house I live in today, like we bought this house before I was, you know, better a better state of mind and I went and looked at the house and I said we're gonna buy this house like there's no there was no doubt about it that this house would be would be ours like and at this point I knew nothing about the work but it kept reoccurring it was coming up in my dreams and we kept going to the house and I just knew there was just this gut certainty that I could make that a reality. Mm. Is it fair to say then that 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 knowing that that gut instinct shows up in certain areas of your life more readily than others? Yeah, of course it can. It'll show up where you, and it'll show up in ways where you need it. And it, sometimes you'll ignore it. Sometimes you won't even know it's there. And It'll, it'll be amazing what will reoccur until the point that it just goes, come on, this is where we're heading. Like you've got no choice but to to give it some attention. Have you got an example, a specific example around how that might have shown up? Oh, not off the top of my head. Um, so what about uh, more recently where you've um, – looking for work and uh, there was part of you that didn't want to swallow your pride and go back to being a mechanic, but there was part of you that probably also knew that, well, at least that's something I know I can go and do. But what about some of the other opportunities that have, that have presented because you've trusted your instincts? 
yeah, look, that was, as you know, even to, to go back to work after going full-time in the business, that was a, a pride swallower in itself. Like, like well, that's, that's like admitting that you failed, like what you've worked on failed. Like you've had to succumb back to the old way of life. That was a big, yeah, a big swipe, pride swallow in itself. But from there, like I had work and went, screw this, this is not right for me either. And put myself out there to go back out looking for more work and to have found a job that is more aligned, that is more flexible, is more financially abundant, has just been so tenfold on where I was and then where it's played out in the other in the other parts because all of a sudden you can release, you can breathe a little bit and then the opportunity to pop up, like I've had an opportunity to pop up to have a conversation with a local person about collaborations. It's given me, I had a night where I was talking to a friend and all of a sudden I got home, I said to my partner, I said to Elsa, I said, I got my wink back tonight, like my coaching wink. I've had a couple of conversations tonight with a few different people and things were just flowing. It's like, you can, you're not putting the expectation in that one area now. And I said to her, I said, I got me wink, I got me coaching wink back tonight. Like it felt good to be having those, those cogs turning that wasn't stressing out about something else and could be focused on something that I'm actually passionate about. Mm. So once you get the foundational stuff in place, that allows you just to go and do your magic, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Well, I look at now like how you sound, how much better you flow in terms of when you talk, how much more uh, healthy you look physically, how much more certain you are of things. That's a product of you investing in yourself, of you being open to new opportunities, new possibilities, but also like the really important thing you said there is being able to swallow your pride and go, it's not a failure, it's a necessity, and I'm just going to go bite the bullet. I'm going to do this for the time being and how quickly better opportunities have come by you taking care of that that foundational piece first. Oh, absolutely. We couldn't have been having this conversation back when you first knew with me to have it, like – there was no way we could have been having the same conversation that we're having, yeah. having now. Like it's, I've had to go through this whole, this process. But definitely, the foundations are just so, so important. And I think this is the biggest thing with getting a coach or seeing a psychologist or whatever you find your modality is for you. It could be kinesiology, hypnotherapy, whatever that looks like for you. Like. It's very, very easy to go, well, that's a lot of money coming out of my bank account. And I've done it. There's been times where I really haven't had the money for my session, but it's so important for me to have it. The best way to make money is honestly to spend this money on yourself. Like, I know it sounds like, oh, you're a coach, you're gonna say that. It's not the case. It's honestly how it is to get yourself moral running how you want to be running to bring more in for yourself you've got to put you've got to outlay a little bit to get a fresh set of eyes to help you unpack a bit of crap there's no other way to put it 
Yeah, and if we come back to that word abundance, not even financially, like it's not just a financial investment in yourself. It's are you prepared to do this from a physical perspective, mentally, emotionally, spiritually? Are you prepared to put out, learn what you can, and then be able to get back? Like what what price your mental health? Like there is no price. Yeah, like would I still be here if I hadn't invested that money? Because the darkness sometimes can just be all-encompassing, right? Or like emotionally, like the turmoil that I had going on inside me. What, what I, you know, what I fear most for, and I know you, you, you haven't got children yet, but like for me, it's like what, what would have become of my children if I'd kept going down that path of being that angry dad that had so much pain and uh, and so many things I needed to externalize in a, in a safe place right so it's not just about does it be find your coach like you said you see a psychologist there's a, there's a million different ways that you can you can get help it's it's just knowing that like I'm sure you've had it with clients as well no one ever says I really regret doing this never I've never experienced that they might say I wish I'd done this sooner uh, I may have had experiences myself going, I didn't get what I thought I was going to get. But when I but when I look back at those experiences, I always know that I got exactly what I needed at the time. Oh, absolutely. And it's funny you bring up kids. Like, no, I don't have kids yet. But I know for a fact, if I hadn't have done this work now for when I do have kids, if I'd just gone along and I just had kids, I think I would have ended up one of two ways. I feel like I would have ended up as a very clingy father because – there's no way they like I couldn't leave a kid. I just know that yeah. that I need them to know that there's no possible way that I'm going to go anywhere. Or I would have been a super super distant father, and neither one of them are beneficial. No, absolutely. Now I don't know why I didn't ask this before, but have you talked to your dad about what unfolded when your mum in the way of her leaving? Yeah. I've never had a need to, and I feel like between the work I've done with you and the meditations that you've taken me through and the, the healings and what I've done with my psychologist, I feel like I've cut the energetic ties there that needed to be cut. There's probably still a few there that need a bit of cutting, but I've never felt the need to go, well, we need to unpack that whole time. Like, he was not running... 100% himself, I can look at that and say that as an adult. We've had conversations in the past where I've said, look, you did the best you could with the resources you had at that time. Like, I don't think there's anything more that needs to be said in that aspect because I've just, I've cut the energetic cords to the, the, uh, it's just, it's cut. Yeah. And, and I also think of like the, something that I know it's important in terms of foundations, it's like, what are you going to learn there that that you can't then work out that you need to take on yourself anyway? Like ultimately we've got to take responsibility for our part in anything, even things like that, which is completely outside of your control. Well, I could spend the rest of my life blaming my mum for walking out or I could decide that, well, I, I've had no contact with her. I'm going to take responsibility for my future myself and take whatever steps necessary to make sure that when I'm a parent that, that everything's going to be as good as it can, yeah? Absolutely. Now, I'm always looking for ways to join the dots and and 
when you were talking about all the different things you've learned and you were talking about when you went and started studying uh, NLP and coaching and all these different things, you, you, you rattled off the word tools uh, at least three or four times. And, and I was thinking, what a great uh, connection to, to the trade, right? So we've talked a lot before about that generally when you're a coach or you're anyone that guides other people, you're going to do your best work helping people who are in a similar scenario to where you've been previously. So can you share one of your tools that you know will be massively beneficial to other tradies who are in that place where they're they're kind of running on that uh, repeating loop in their life? Let it out and... You, especially for people who have never let it out verbally, take it out on a source that is healthy and beneficial, not the grog bottle or the, the cigarette or whatever that might have normally been. Hit the pavement, hit the bike, hit the be- hit the bag. If you've got something you want to break that's breakable, like let that release out because that pent up and I know you speak about it a lot being like a big kettle Ian like just eventually it's going to boil over and the steam just going to go Wolf, I think you, you just put that in a way that just sums it up perfectly like you've just got to let that out that's a big starting point that's going to help you and I think the more you then go on and do more and you get more tools the tools are fantastic and I spoke about this recently the storm's still going to come. Like, you are still going to come up against shit no matter how much work you've done. Yeah. Like, not every day is peaches and cream just because we've done a lot of work and we're helping others in these spaces. The storm is still going to come. The best thing about these tools is instead of it being thunder, right, lightning and rain and the wind and everything, it might just be the rain. You might have the, the, the thunder and the lightning and the wind to go with it because you've got the tools in place to take away the severity of that storm. Love it. Uh, I'm a big believer in that, that the challenges don't get smaller as you as you grow more and you learn more. They actually get bigger, but you're just so better equipped to deal with it. And And I think what I know of life is that if you don't pay attention, if you don't listen to the feedback life gives you, then you're going to get bigger and harsher feedback. So having tools in place for when the, like you say, when the storms come, it, it means you're going to be able to have shelter. You're going to be, the word you used before, the protector, the provider. You're going to be able to do those if you've got those tools in your toolkit. So mate, I love that. That's a great share. If you look at the journey so far, and I know you are in relative terms, you're you're only a youngster and probably compared to most of the listeners of this podcast as well, and that doesn't mean that you don't have incredible wisdom to share. Uh, A few weeks ago, well, it's actually probably more than a few weeks now, maybe a month or so ago, I had a guest on, Blaze Grinner, who was a young bloke uh, being a supervisor in the building industry and being a safe place for like 
middle-aged men or older to open up to. And he just talked about like how his team were the best performing team in the whole of the in the whole of the business because you know men felt they had that safety. How important then is it for for you to to be able to share that message for for other people who who aren't who haven't experienced that and and what's something that you would tell them that's going to help them to see that it's only ever going to be a positive thing oh, it's, it's critical like this is like yeah right, I am when they're young and these are the people I want to work with because these are going to become the grumpy old middle-aged men. Like they're not going to be pleasant. They're not going to be happy. And they're going to sit there as resentful 40 year olds thinking I've just wasted half my life. Not that you're ever too old to start something new, but they're going to have that resentment there. And it's just so, so important to, to try and get on this as soon as, you've got that awareness. And I know that's going to be different for everyone. It sounds very open-ended, but it's going to come when it's right. And if somehow you've got the intention out there without even knowing it, that you want to start doing the work, the people, places, the things are going to pop up to start looking into doing that kind of work or and actually start having conversations. It's just so critical, honestly, and all the groups that I'm part of, it's just getting people to talk. You don't even need to be talking about how's your feelings. It's just getting people to have more of a conversation than the banter. There's nothing wrong with banter in the workplace. I think it's fantastic. It's what helps get your day through. Yeah. But you can have a bit more of a conversation about how's your weekend, how's life, and then you're building that trust and rapport to the point that they can go, I need some help. Yeah. And opening that line of communication. Yeah, yeah. Things aren't so good. I'm being okay to say that. Um, I'm, I'm, um, I'm thinking of this, Anthony. You, you talked about how there's a real numbness, and that maybe some of these guys in the trade don't even realise they need help. There must be signs that they can see that you that you know looking back. Like you mentioned, your your partner continually you <laughs> to reach out to you saying, like something's not right here. You know, you need to you need to pay attention here. It can be uh, maybe uh, finding there's more mistakes going on in the workplace than than previously. What other sort of signs can can these guys look out for? Actually, yeah, you can be hitting the bottle harder. Like yeah. if someone has a few drinks, you might be all of a sudden going for two or three a night. Next thing you know, you're drinking half a dozen or a dozen stubbies every night of the week. It'll just be little things that you'll start to – little things like that work, hitting the bottle harder. Like you might just be not having conversations with people, like even in the workplace. Like you just – you're there to a job when you're out the door again. Like you're not, not engaging with people. You're just in a circle. Like there's no, no talking, no nothing. You just bang, bang, bang. Mm. So it's it's starting to identify some of those uh, moments where where things aren't working as they should be. Yeah, absolutely. You might be someone that was quite an active person, and all of a sudden you're not going to the gym, or like I'm a reader, and all of a sudden I'm not reading at all, or 
just doing nice things even when we do on a normal day-to-day basis. Yeah, and, and uh, I guess a bit like um, if you're a mechanic looking over a car and not sure what it is, what's the problem, it's probably that same sort of thing, right? You need to be curious. You need to be investig- investigative. You've got need to uh, have a think about, okay, well, how can I look at this from a different perspective to, to see if I can find a solution here? Yeah, absolutely. And I think the biggest thing is we're riding in a world at the moment that's so go, go, go. Like, it is okay to stop. Like, recharge the batteries. Like, there's not, you're not going to run when you're burnt to a crisp and physically, emotionally, like, when you're just fried, like, you got to take five. Like, there's no no way around it. And eventually, my body's done it. Like, I've tried to play sport in times where I shouldn't have played sport. The body was not right. I should have took some more time and got myself in a better physical state to do it. And what happened? I popped my kneecap out and the body made me take a rest. Yeah. Like it'll, it'll, it'll make you one way or another. You'll end up sick or however that may look and you'll have to take a rest. Like get on it early. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, the, uh, inability to go and do some of those things that you previously could do, I guess is another one of those signs, right? Yeah, absolutely. Um, can we be really uh, direct and maybe even some personal sort of stuff here? Uh, is that all right? Yep. We've been direct so far, so why not? Why change tracks? Well, like just, I mean, like right in deep end because I'm just thinking about, you know, like um, these men, like uh, – does it like does it start impacting relationships in terms of performance in terms of the the bedroom does it start impacting like you know your weights you you know like the the impact that that might have in a whole lot of different areas like is is that a, a, absolutely a common thing that's again people are just bearing oh absolutely like obviously for women especially to want to be intimate they're going to have that connection. Well, you're running on autopilot and not talking to anybody. How are they going to feel like you're even interested in them as a person? Like you're just another body in the household. I stacked on that much weight that I'm still working on today because of all the sugar that I eat and the chocolate because I was running and feeling like absolute shit. It's just, it's a cruel circle. And to look at it, it fucking sucks. And it's not nice and I'm paying for it now. And there's no point sitting here saying I regret it because it is what it is. But what I do know for a fact is I'll beat it because the drive for myself for that more is greater than any bit of body weight or shit storm moment that could fuck that could come. Yeah, I love that. So when you know why it's important and, you, and you've got a desire greater than yourself, then the motivation comes easy, yeah? Oh, absolutely. It's still hard. Don't get me yeah. wrong. It's not yeah. not a walk in the park by any means, but it just comes back to that inner knowing and that why. And I think the other thing that comes to mind for me is, is you've got to start somewhere. Like mm. the, the that uh, thing it's a 
uh, Chinese proverb, um, when's the best time to plant a tree? Uh, 20 years ago, when's the second best time? Today. Like, there's no point going, oh, I think I've missed the boat. I remember having one of my really early clients. He was 24 and he said, uh, I feel like I've – I feel like I've missed the boat. I feel like I've left things too late. And I wouldn't have laughed at him, but I, but I like would have said, oh, mate, I'm, I'm working with people in their 40s and 50s who are thinking like that. Like you've got 20, 30 years on them. You've got, you got the rest of your life. And, and even people in that age, like when, when are you done? I can remember a, uh, a client talking to his grand, grandma who was in their 90s saying, oh, I'm so excited about the rest of my life. Like you're never done. There's always more, right? Oh, absolutely. And that's why I preach the basics and those foundations, that base, like that's, I preach that. That's why my foundation stuff is around base because it's so important to set that, that base. Like we don't build a skyscraper from the roof and work our way down to the, the floor. No, we're starting on the ground floor. We're working our way up. That's yeah, it is so pivotal. And then it's that thing of, well, we all get caught up and we've had a bad day. Look, maybe it's your diet you're trying to work on. I had one, I had a cheat day. Like my day didn't turn out how I want to. I'll start Monday. Like we get caught in that. And I love, there's a little thing, um, as you know, I'm a big fan of Matthew McConaughey and his work. He's got a thing called one in a row. And I love it because every day is an opportunity for one in a row. You, yeah, so what? You missed the boat today. But tomorrow is another day for one in a row. We're not counting on day 73 of 100 that I'm going to be doing whatever you've set yourself to. Every day is day one and you're just constantly on day one every single day and you're going to slip. But then the next day is day one again. Love it. Yeah, so to me, it's like you're coming back to what you talked about before with the storm. When when you have the foundations and you continue to build on the foundations, then when the storm comes, all you're doing is like you might lose some of those new parts, but you won't lose those foundations because they're solid and they'll withstand the storm. So whether it's building or whether it's life, that that's the it's like you said, it's critical to have these things in place and continue to build on them, right? Oh, absolutely. It's, yeah, hands down the most important step. Like, I think we underestimate little steps. Like, it's great when you see people who have had these monumental changes, whether it's physically or you just see it in them. But little steps, like that little ladder that's consistently going up is so much easier to climb than trying to grapple, like, this big wall with the next steps, another three feet in front of you, like, Never underestimate those little steps. Yeah, and from my experience, anything that's sustainable, it comes from little steps. The big shifts like, you know, like one of those fad diets where you suddenly strip off a whole lot of weight. Well, what usually happens for people or always happens is they put it all back on again. But when you make incremental changes and when you're able to make habit changes that stick, then then you're able to create these uh, lifelong changes, yeah? Oh, Absolutely. Good man. Now, Anthony, is there anything else that you want to share with listeners about uh, the future around what more means for you or what more might uh, they might be able to find with their life? Look, I think I summed up before, more is just, it's been pivotal for me. No matter how shit things have been, and even before 
I knew what doing the work was per se. I always knew there was more. And deep down, I think you do as well. And it doesn't matter how big or small that looks, that's irrelevant. It's what that looks like for you. That's all that matters. Doesn't matter if Joe Blow wants a million dollars and you just want to have $750,000 in your bank. Like that's irrelevant as long as that resonates for you. What is your more? Why is it important to you? And if it's important and you truly want it, and your gut says, go, you need to go for it, then you you need to do it. Like it's an injustice to yourself not to go and do it. 100%. And, and thinking about it, an injustice to the important people in your life too who, uh, who are wanting the best for you as well. 100%. Awesome. Well, Anthony, thank you so much for eventually accepting the invitation. As you said, all these things happen have to happen at the right time and, and you weren't in the position to, to share. Uh, I know there's going to be so much more to your story that's still to come because uh, I've had – experiences with you where you've uh, demonstrated your coaching to me and and you are truly gifted at what you do and uh i know there's going to be big things ahead for you man so thanks for coming on and sharing your story i appreciate that thanks for having me on i hope you enjoyed this episode of the grief code podcast thank you so much for listening please share it with a friend or family member that you know would benefit from hearing it too If you are truly ready to heal your unresolved or unknown grief, let's chat. Email me at info at ianhawkinscoaching.com. You can also stay connected with me by joining the Grief Code community at ianhawkinscoaching.com forward slash the grief code. And remember, so that I can help even more people to heal, please subscribe and leave a review on your favorite podcast platform.